Well, the famous evangelist Billy Graham once came to the UK in 1954, visited London, and was invited to go and meet the Prime Minister, Winston Churchill. And during the conversation, Churchill apparently was in quite a sort of serious mode, and they were talking about world events, and Churchill at one point said to Billy Graham, I tell you, I have no hope. I see no hope for the world. Billy Graham later wrote in his diary that Churchill referred to feeling hopeless no fewer than nine times in their conversation. Churchill said, I am a man without hope. What about you? Do you have any real hope? And Billy Graham said, well, are you without hope for your own life's salvation? Prime Minister replied, frankly, I think about that a great deal. And Graham apparently then went on and went to explain the difference Jesus can make and prayed with Winston Churchill. But that question about hope is as as relevant today, certainly as it was then. Today we see uh, environmental experts warning us that we could be on the brink of extinction as a civilization. Um, We see politicians who at the moment seem unable to bring a divided country back together again around the issue of Brexit. Uh, We see violence around the world between those of different ethnicities or religions, and no way it seems to end it. And this thing about where does hope come from, is there such a thing as hope, uh, has always been in human experience. Long ago, a Greek writer wrote a myth about Pandora's box. And in the myth, the box is opened, and all the evils inside escape into the world, and when the lid is shut again, it's, it's too late, but only hope, he wrote, was left inside Pandora's box. Every year, though... Despite that, the Christian story insists on proclaiming a message about light and about joy and about peace and about hope. When Isaiah spoke the words of our second reading all those years ago, he spoke to a people living in a time of darkness and apparently with very little hope. And yet, through him, God was promising light and hope in the future. And those words of Isaiah's, uh, they were set famously to music by the composer Handel in his Messiah, have echoed down the centuries. And I just want to spend a few, will let me, a few moments now thinking about the promises in those words of Isaiah. Light to drive away darkness. That's the first big promise there. Light and darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, he says. And it's typical of the Bible to speak of the promises of God as so certain, it's almost as if they've happened already. It's past tense. They've seen a great light, though it's centuries ahead, in fact. And the intervening verses of Isaiah... Uh, which Handel skipped over in his musical setting. You'll have to Google it later to check me out on this. They speak of the darkness over God's people Israel as burdening them like a bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. And that darkness, that experience, is the same again now as it was then. It's, It's the language of injustice, of the cruelty of man to man, of oppression, 
um, as we heard earlier, of abuse and addiction amongst young lives, of broken relationships. The root cause, though, of all of our darkness was in our first reading tonight about Adam and Eve. As we heard of that universal instinct, we have, like them, to disregard God's wise ways for us and instead almost to make ourselves gods and choose our own way. In the reading from Matthew's Gospel, the angel appears to Joseph and says how Jesus will be born as saviour, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the Bible word for the roots of this darkness. But Isaiah finished by saying, in his zeal, that's a strong word for God's love, he won't leave us in darkness. He will accomplish all this. He'll rescue us. Light is coming. A saviour, Jesus, will be born. You see, people talk about the Enlightenment, don't they, as the period of discovery of modern science and human reason that's been so influential in our culture uh, back in the sort of 17th century. But actually, the real enlightenment of mankind happened much earlier, in the first century, in the birth of Christ, the light. Another promise is the promise of peace. Peace that will, in fact, uh, grow and spread to increase and fill the world. Peace. And it's interesting that this peace and this solution to the world's difficulties, uh, it's not education, it's not an ideology, it's not an aid program, it's a person of the greatness of his government, says Isaiah, there will be no end. He will reign on God's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness forever. Peace that spreads through the whole world. He is going to rule with justice, this person. He is going to break the oppression and do what's right. Again, in those verses that Handel omitted from Isaiah, the prophet described for us how this person will bring peace. How will he do it? Well, he said, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, that's the language of war, isn't it, will be destined for burning. So the war is going to finish and peace will come. But this king is going to bring peace through ending the war and bringing peace through his own victory, his own battle. Peace, you see, implies, doesn't it, the end of war, usually by a victory. By a battle won. So for, for that part of Isaiah, almost Handel's music is almost too nice. And a military march will be more appropriate for this saviour who will bring peace. The gospel writers agree that Jesus was not only born of Mary a virgin, but also a descendant of King David. On David's throne, he will reign forever, said Isaiah. And if you read the gospel stories, as we follow them, we find Jesus indeed lived an extraordinary life and, li- and died a death to win our peace, to defeat evil and sin forever. Peace for the world. Uh, one young girl wrote this to Father Christmas one year. Dear Santa, this year I tried hard to be good, but it just didn't work out. 
And I can identify with that, and perhaps you can. It's because we lose the battle, don't we, to do good ourselves. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he died in our place. Isaiah, later in his book, says, his punishment on the cross brought us peace. Here's a final promise of a child who will rule forever. You see, we might have expected this person to be a great warrior king. He will be that one day on the cross, but we didn't expect him to be a child. And yet that's how Isaiah's words famously come, for to us a child is born. One writer captures that shock quite well. He says, God's answer to everything that's ever terrorized us is a child. The power of God is so great that all the big shots of this world He can defeat them by coming as a mere child. It's almost like God conceals his saviour in the manger of Bethlehem. There was a very successful sportsman who could never understand why his countrified, old-fashioned dad used to keep all his money stored in the freezer at home. And he questioned him on this. And dad just said, well, if I was robbed, they'd never think to look in the freezer, would they? It's like that with us. If we were to look for a saviour, we would not have thought, would we, had God not done this, to look in the manger for him. But how can a mere child be our hope? How can he become the ruler? Well, the clues in that fourfold title that Isaiah is told to give him, wonderful counsellor, almighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father four incredible titles this child will will plan wonders beyond human understanding work miracles beyond human power give fatherly care beyond the human span of life everlasting and win peace through victory beyond human courage for all who call him their own prince prince of peace the child to rule For a Jewish prophet like Isaiah, it's almost unthinkable that he could talk about a mere child, a human being, as God, as divine. Because, yes, in in Christian thinking, the idea of of God becoming man, that's part of our thinking. But for Isaiah, a Jewish writer, to do so is extraordinary. But the, the divinity of this child that we born is written all the way through that fourfold title, Almighty God. It's the same with the name he's given by the angel and by Matthew in our last reading this evening, Emmanuel, God with us. Very God in human form, as our carol has just said. So there are the promises from our reading this evening. Light in our darkness, justice in our strife, a child to rule with justice for all who receive him forever. So I'm so glad, friends, that we've gathered, that you've come this evening to hear those words, to sing with us together our carols. But it may well be that you'd like to know more about this Prince of Peace and the difference that he can make in any one of our lives as we've heard a little about that earlier in our service. 
that you're wondering, how can I experience Jesus' loving reign turning my life around, giving me light and hope and peace? And if that's you, well, please do ask us uh, on the way out over drinks for a copy of this little book. It's a free giveaway today, an even better Christmas. We'd love you to take one of those if that's going to help you to keep thinking and exploring. Come again. Uh, We're here again next weekend and on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and the new year. And you may want to come along to a group we run here called Discover, where in the Discover group you can just come and listen, ask any question that you like about all these big things we've touched on tonight. Is there such a thing as hope? Is God really there at all? Is Jesus really the Prince of Peace that the Bible claims him to be? It's our prayer that this Christmas, some of us here, maybe for the first time, will truly see Jesus' light. We'll experience the beginning of the growth of his peace as we follow him and come gladly under his gracious rule. Let's be still for a moment before in a few minutes we say, uh, we sing our next carol. But let's first of all be still and I'll lead us, if I may, in a short prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the planner of wonders. You are almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We thank you for the promises made of you long ago and fulfilled in your birth and life and death to save us from our sins. Alive today, may your light banish our darkness, your peace spread through our world, your rule lead us in justice and righteousness always. Amen.